Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, you guys? Carl Stark here, lead boxing writer of Fightful.com and FightfulBoxing.com. If this is your first time visiting Fightful.com or you're just looking at our new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel, welcome. We do tons of content, including podcasts, reviews, and post-show recaps of all the big boxing and MMA shows, including from UFC, Bellator, and on the boxing side, Canelo versus Rocky Fielding, Canelo versus Golovkin, and now we're doing Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner. Head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news, recaps, interviews, exclusives with all the big names in the boxing world. We just interviewed Manny Pacquiao as part of a media conference call on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, spoke both to Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. And we will get down to some of the things Pacquiao said to me on that conference call, as well as what he said after the fight. But first, we got to cover Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner. This was a big fight over here in Las Vegas, uh, headlining a Showtime pay-per-view. Manny Pacquiao ended up with the win by unanimous decision, 117-111, 116-112, and 116-112 on all three judges' scorecards. Retains the WBA regular welterweight title, the secondary welterweight world title that the WBA has. But this was a this was a big win for Manny Pacquiao. He, the the question heading into this fight was not so much uh, can Manny Pacquiao beat Adrian Broner, but will Pacquiao's age be a factor and hinder his performance against uh, Adrian Broner? Pacquiao is forty years old, but boy, did he not look like he was forty. Turn back the clock, dominated this fight. I thought I thought Adrian Broner only won two rounds. I had a 118-110 in my scorecard, and I was being somewhat generous. Some of the people over there at ringside or some of the reporters on social media, they had it way, way more in Pacquiao's favor. I remember, I think Dan Raphael from ESPN 
Padded 116, uh, actually 121 away, a full shout out for Manny Pacquiao. And this was, you know, this was a good fight. It was a really fun fight from the start. The Las Vegas crowd at the MGM Grand Garden Arena really, really made this fight. They were very pro Pacquiao. I'd say about 98% of the crowd was pro Pacquiao. And they really let you know it throughout the entire fight. Every time Pacquiao would just lunge forward, throw a punch, the crowd would just explode. And I thought for a second, I thought this was kind of influenced the cards a little bit. Uh, early on, it started with Manny Pacquiao just throwing a sheer number of punches, just constantly throwing uh, Broner to the ropes with barrage of punches. Uh, didn't exactly land a lot of them, but he was certainly putting a lot of pressure on Adrian Broner. And really, that was kind of the the thing that he needed, especially with you know with him coming back to the United States for the first time since 2016. Pacquiao really looked like he wanted to give a real memorable performance in Las Vegas. At times, he looked a little too eager. I, I thought he tried to do too much to get the to get the knockout or the stoppage or that one big punch that would lead into a stoppage didn't really I, I thought he looked a little too excited i he, this was not the Manny Pacquiao that we saw against Lucas Matisse where it was a little much more controlled he picked his spots and and really made the most out of his opportunities no this was a a Manny Pacquiao that was blitzing through Adrian Broner didn't really give Broner a chance to really do anything. Broner started to kind of get back into it right around the fourth round, really started to counterpunch whenever he can, really. But the problem was Broner, uh, unlike Pacquiao, who was throwing two, three, four, five punches in every combination, Broner was just throwing single counterpunches. He wasn't doing enough. There may be times where Broner was landing the better punches, but those opportunities were so few and far in between, there really wasn't any way you can really say Pacquiao, uh, Pacquiao lost the round. Broner definitely won it, especially when Broner didn't really hurt Pacquiao at really any point in the fight. This, you know, it's not like Broner, you know, didn't throw much, but when he threw, it really made an impact. It barely left any impact on Pacquiao. He his eyes were Pacquiao's eyes were a little bit swollen, but really there was it wasn't anything really that bad. It was it was certainly you know not Broner's best night. Uh, Pacquiao's right around the seventh round was looking more comfortable. He landed a big left hand that kind of staggered Broner just a little bit, kind of threw him off balance. And for a second, we all we all thought, "Hey, could we be getting a stoppage already?" And then I get so Pacquiao would still continue to go in and dominate. Broner would play defense and counter punch whenever he had the opportunity. Ninth round, uh, Pacquiao landed a vicious left jab to Broner. And Broner just kind of just, you know, flopped around, like almost fell down to the canvas, but managed to get get to the ropes and hang on to him for dear life. And Pacquiao would just simply unload you know, tons of uppercuts, putting Broner to the corner, just cor- pressuring him, not allowing him to do anything at all. 
and Pacquiao could have could have potentially stopped that fight, but he really wasn't landing anything strong that was like really clean. He was throwing a lot. He he was hitting Broner a lot, but you can't really call him you know really clean punches. But the story of the fight on Broner's side was that. He he didn't do much at all. He he barely did anything. I I really don't see how two judges gave uh Broner four rounds. I really don't see how that's really possible. Three, maybe. I suppose you can give Broner three rounds. I thought two is more like it. I thought a ten-two route was you know was more like it. Uh, now. About halfway through the fight, or at least actually at various points in the fight, Showtime tried to interview Floyd Mayweather. And after the fifth round, uh, Mayweather said, you know, babe, this is a chess match. I, I think Pacquiao's winning 4-1, 3-2, which was fair. Uh, I don't know about 3-2, but 4-1, that's, that's pretty fair in favor of Pacquiao. And then later on in the fight, they interviewed him again. Jim Gray interviewed Floyd Mayweather, and it almost seemed... And, and and that that came the big question: Are you going to fight Manny Pacquiao? You're going to enter the ring if Manny Pacquiao wins. Mayweather kind of teased a little bit, saying, "You know, let's wait until wait until the fight's over. I'll I, I'll, I'll say something if it happens. We'll we'll see." Fight ends, and obviously, one of the first questions. Well, it wasn't one of the first questions, but one of the questions that Jim Gray asked Manny Pacquiao was. Do you want to see the? Do you want the rematch against Floyd Mayweather? And now Pacquiao, he was telling me a couple of weeks ago that he wanted he didn't want to talk about any other fights until he's done with Broner. He finds it a lot easier to talk about his future uh, after his fight against Adrian Broner. And he did say this also. Listen, I'm going to get these questions about. Floyd Mayweather and the rematch. I'm gonna get asked about it for the for a very long time. I can't avoid it, and he didn't. He wasn't able to avoid it here. Manny Pacquiao said, "Listen, I want the rematch. Hey, I I got the WBA title. I won. I won my pay per view return here in the United States. Why not? Let's do it." So the cameras shifted to Floyd Mayweather, who was wearing his uh, not Eddie Hearn turtleneck at ringside. And Mayweather simply just looked looked after the distance. He just looked at the camera for a brief second, and wearing his sunglasses, just looked off to the distance and didn't do anything. He didn't even dignify Pacquiao with an answer. This was weird. I, I I thought for certain, knowing Mayweather, I thought he would do at least something to kind of tease that there might be something in the works. Mayweather, Mayweather is a savvy businessman. You can say any, you can say whatever you want about him as a person. You can say whatever you want him as a promoter, or whether and as a boxer, whether or not he really has the greatest ever. I don't think so. I don't think he's even top ten or top twenty uh, all time, uh, despite him being fifty and no. So, but but I would thought that you know if May Mayweather, even if he doesn't want the rematch, or even if the rematch doesn't happen. You would think that Mayweather, knowing him, would at least try to do something to bring the spotlight on him. And, and let's face it, even retired in his last actual fight, not counting Tenshin Nasikawa last month, his last actual fight was Conor McGregor in uh, August 2017. And his last fight prior to that, because an actual boxer was Andre Berto 
in 2016. So you went, so even then, he's still one of the biggest stars in the sport, and his name is still probably one of the most searched names in boxing today, despite being retired. And Mayweather will do a lot to keep his name in, on people's minds. He will do anything to keep his relevancy. So I thought it was weird that he didn't exactly do that uh, when the cameras were on him. He could have just said, he even could have played coy and said, I don't know, maybe we could talk about it. We we could talk about a potential rematch, maybe, but I don't know, maybe, but I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. He didn't even do that. Uh, so that kind of tells me that Mayweather really isn't all that interested in a rematch. Now, there's been some rumors and some rumblings around that Mayweather versus uh, Pacquiao 2 could be in the works in the summer. But those are just rumors at the moment. And really with Pacquiao uh, Mayweather, you can't really put anything off the table. It's just not happening. So what we could see, we could see it. But I think what's going to happen I don't think we're going to get the rematch. I really don't. I think because of the way Pacquiao looked, he looked really good. And Mayweather, it's not like he's he's, he's out of shape or anything. He's always training. He's always keeping himself in really good boxing shape. Not necessarily fighting shape, ready to fight Manny Pacquiao anytime, anyplace, anywhere, but... Uh, I think Mayweather, I, I think Mayweather's going to balk at that offer. I don't think he's going to take it. I think he's happy with what he's doing right now. You know, doing exhibition bouts for almost eight figures. And, he, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. If it does happen, I would not be surprised because there's still a lot of money to be made on that fight. It's not going to do anywhere near the 4.6 million pay-per-view buys or what, whatever it did. Somewhere around that ballpark, the first fight did. I think people were really disappointed with that fight. That first fight was really bad. They A lot of people felt like they were, they were robbed out of a good $100. And for a lot of places, for a lot of people, that pay-per-view... Uh, broadcast crashed a lot of times a lot of people bought the pay-per-view and wasn't able to watch the fight so i i think people are much more cautious about that they also recognize that mayweather and pacquiao both significantly older and what we're gonna have i think what's gonna happen is pacquiao is going to get his chance to fight some of the other pbc welterweights maybe a keith thurman sean porter errol spence jr you know i i can see errol i can see the fight against Arrow being a possibility. The what was really gonna, what's really kind of come down to is what does Al Heyman sees as the bigger money fight for Pacquiao, and we're not really gonna get that until maybe late April, uh, early April, when we start to get an idea of what the pay per view buy rate or the financials. Uh, for Errol Spence Jr. versus Mikey Garcia is going to make. Because remember, that fight is also going to be on pay-per-view on March 16th uh, from AT&T Stadium. And if that fight ends up being a success on pay-per-view, 
then you could reasonably see a scenario in which Al Heyman looks at Errol Spence versus Manny Pacquiao on pay-per-view late 2019 and think that could be a major success because Pacquiao is still a big draw in the United States. Look no further than the viewership numbers for the fight against Jeff Horn. And everything really kind of comes down to whether or not Pacquiao versus Spence makes the most financial sense. Pacquiao versus Thurman could also really, uh, could also reasonably happen, both for WBA welterweight title holders. And as much as the WBA likes to say it, uh, saying, hey, we don't want multiple champions in a weight class, so we want to have a regular and a super champion unify. Yet the WB hasn't really done that much as of late, especially in 2018 when they've actually kept adding more titles. But the WBA could potentially say, hey, yeah, none of you guys have mandatories. Just make sure you just do that fight already. And it makes sense. They're both fighting under PBC. I don't believe either has a mandatory challenger. And it and Keith Thurman against Manny Pacquiao would be really good. What could prevent that fight from happening is Keith Thurman deciding to fight for his WBC title that he never technically lost. He surrendered the title last year, which allowed Sean Porter to win that title. Sean Porter is defending his title later on this year against mandatory challenger Jordanis Ugas. So what, what we could also see is Thurman electing to wait until the summer to face Sean Porter once more. Thurman's already beaten Porter. It was a very close fight, but depending on how Thurman looks next week against Josecito Lopez at the Barclays Center on Fox, we could potentially see something there. But I don't know if... Really, it all depends on what makes the most financial sense uh, as far as the B-side goes. And we still don't know that. It depends on what the viewership numbers go for Thurman versus Josecito Lopez on Fox. Uh, it depends on how the pay-per-view buy rate is going to look for Sean Port, uh, Errol Spence Jr. against Mikey Garcia in March. And really, the, the, the I don't know, but the, the pay-per-view buy rate in this fight is, this was also weird. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, initially, I thought that maybe 250,000 buys from a couple of weeks ago, uh, I thought that could be a reasonable uh, buy rate for this fight, but... I don't know. It's Manny Pacquiao. His worst pay-per-view buy rate in the last few years was, I believe, 300000 against Jesse Vargas in 2016. But that was done with close to zero marketing with the help of a major broadcast network because, if you all remember, HBO wanted no part of making that a pay-per-view battle. So Top Rank cut out the middleman and decided to do that pay-per-view by themselves. So that may have impacted the pay-per-view buy rates. I think as the fight, uh, we got closer to the fight date. I think there was more excitement because it is Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. Say what you want about him, but he is still a name that people come in to see on TV uh, in the live arena. He is, you know, in, to put it in pro wrestling terms, he's a great heel. He's a great heel because he makes you want to watch him just so you can watch him lose. And I think that could make play a role in it. But if you ask me, I think a reasonable pay-per-view buy rate is maybe three hundred and fifty thousand. I, I I think that's what I, I think that's what it's going to happen. Three hundred fifty thousand, 
uh, is what's going to happen. Uh, over here in the live chat, uh, we got John, John C08 fan, Errol Spence with TKO Manny. Mark my words. That is possible. I mean, Errol Spence Jr. is a phenomenal body puncher. And I think especially with how many perform, if he has that kind of performance, we're just rushing in borderline reckless against Errol Spence Jr. Errol Spence Jr. is going to have a much better time landing shots on Manny Pacquiao compared to Adrian Broner, who, by the way, after the fight, it was so hilarious. Adrian Broner just went full on conspiracy theorist mode, said he, he, everyone knew I won this fight. No problem. How, how, how did, how did Pacquiao win this? And, and all social media was like, bro, you only left um, landed 50 punches total. That's an average of barely slightly more than four punches around. You didn't do anything. You did diddly squat. Even on the Showtime poll where they, where they asked, who do you think won that fight? 6% of those polls said Broner won. Bro, no one thought that Broner won that fight. It really was a, a complete domination. The scorecards made it out to be a much closer fight than it actually was. Because this was 10 rounds in favor of Pacquiao at least. So, I mean, whew, this was uh, this was a big, big win for Manny Pacquiao. Uh, John C. 08 fan also says uh, Manny completely outclassed AB. It was so one-sided. Round 7 and 9, both could have... Spelt the end for Broner. I agree. I thought round nine could have been the end of Broner, but I'll give Broner this. He has a solid chin, and he can hang on. There's a reason why he's never uh, been knocked out before, despite facing the likes of Marcos Maidana and Mikey Garcia and and Sean Porter and Jesse Vargas and now Manny Pacquiao. You know, he may have, you know, not won any of those fights, but Broner has a decent enough of a chin to not get knocked out so quite frankly i was not impressed the whole idea of broner this fight was this was a new arrows uh, this was a new adrian broner uh, in and out of the ring out of the ring you're gonna see a much more uh, much more composed much more mature adrian broner we didn't see a single thing throughout this fight week that would lead you to believe that was the case but hey, such is life. And Adrian Broner, he probably he's still gonna get made of in fights of uh, in the future. But he, he he is not a star. He's not a big star in the U.S. anymore. He does not have the wins that would catapult him into superstar status. But that was not the only fight that took place on this card. Co-main event, Body Jack against Marcus Brown for the interim w- WBA light heavyweight title and. A final eliminator for the WBC light heavyweight title. Ooh boy, uh, Badu Jack uh, lost via wide unanimous decision. Ooh, this, I'm telling you this right now, for those of you that are interested in watching the fight, fair warning, if you are squeamish at, you know, at seeing bad cuts, bad nasty cuts, and lots of blood, if you're not into that kind of stuff, don't watch this fight. Boy, this was really bad. Brown dominated from the start. Uh, there was a clash of heads in round seven that really made a horrendous scar. Really split Badu Jack open around right around here. And he was bleeding profusely 
from on his face, he was doing his best Eddie Guerrero impression circa WWE 2004, where his face just would just covered in blood. And, you know, a- after every round, they would try to clean and disaffect the wound. And uh, almost immediately, Bottom Jack would just start bleeding from the, at the moment the, the bell rung. And this just looked bad. Marcus Brown easily won this fight. He was the stronger puncher. Bodyjack was not, he was like Adrian Broner. He was pretty much limited to playing defense, trying to pick his spots, his very few spots to attack. Bodyjack tried to outbox him, look for the body punch, and try to jab his way to win a few rounds. But Brown was way too strong. He looked really, really good in this fight. And, you know, he really showcased that he is ready for the elite. I had some questions whether or not Brown, with his lack of inexperience, with lack of experience in big fights such as these, would actually hurt him. Brown looked really good inside the ring. He looked composed. He wasn't reckless. He was landing the big power shot, but it's not like he was going for the knockout. He he knew that he was ahead on the cards. He knew that he was doing everything to convince the judges that he was going to win this fight. And quite frankly, I, I was really impressed with Marcus Brown. He, after the fight, he Marcus Brown kind of really had his choice of picking who he, which of the two world champions he wanted to wanted to call out. There was Dimitri Bivol, who is the WBA champion. But I highly doubt that fight is really going to happen since Bivol just signed with P- with the zone. So unless Bra- Marcus Brown hops onto the zone, that fight's not going to happen anytime soon. So he decided to go the next best route. It- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That is to call out WBC champion Alexander Vostek. Uh, he actually called out Teddy Atlas, who, like Marcus Brown, is from La- is from New York, and uh, and is the trainer for Alexander Vostek. Did a terrific job training Vostek for the fight against Adonis Stevenson last month, in which Vostek knocked out Adonis Stevenson for the to win the WBC title. Now Brown. Versus Vostek, that is a fantastic fight. You, there is a little bit more leeway in terms of what platform you could put the fight on, but given that Vostek is the champion, I think we could potentially see Marcus Brown hop on over to ESPN for that fight against Vostek. I guess sort of a thank you from PBC for letting Alexander Vostek, who was the interim champion heading to the fight against Adonis Stevenson last fight uh, last month in Canada, to hop over to Showtime to make that fight happen for, as kind of the lead-in to the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury pay-per-view fight. So, quite frankly, I thought this looked good. I, I thought Brown versus Vostek is a fight that needs to happen in 2019 and this you know Marcus Brown just becomes another new star in a 
completely revamped 175 pound division since Andre Ward retired. Since Ward retired, we have had the likes of Alexander Vostick, Marcus Brown, Dmitry Bival, Arthur Berteviev just emerge and not just as champions, but also as really, really exciting fighters. I think a fight involving any combination of those four would be really, really good. And I think up to a certain point, we're going to get a lot of these unification fights. Not, maybe not in 2019, but in 2020, we could also see that happening. What was really going to gonna come down to is the cooperation between ESPN and PBC regarding making some of those unification bouts happen. I don't think the zone really going to get into it because the zone may have the victory before, but it's not like all those other champions are have to fight Dimitri Bivol. I want to see Dimitri Bivol getting unification fights, but there are plenty of other unification bouts to be made in the coming months and in next year. So overall, really liked it. I, I thought this was a really good, uh, really good performance by Marcus Brown. Uh, sec- first title fight. Uh, this was a a WBC bantamweight title fight between Nordine, Nardine Ubali and Rasheed Warren. Now, if you remember the WBC title, the bantamweight title, more specifically, previously belonged to Luis Neri. He was supposed to defend his title against Shinsuke Yamanaka in Japan in early 2018, but Yamanaka came in way, way overweight. I believe like five, I think it was somewhere like five, five and a half pounds over the bantamweight limit, and so he was promptly stripped of the title. And what ensued was a pretty much year-long hassle to find two guys to fight for the title, but every time such a fight would happen, it would just kept getting delayed or canceled. Originally, Ubali was supposed to fight a Petrosor Chief Patana or Petrosor Freshmart, and the fight was supposed to take place last summer in France. Didn't happen for no reason. Then it came Nordine Ubali versus Rashid Warren uh, on the PBC card uh, last month at the Barclays Center. That didn't happen, so now he got moved into this card. Ubali wins the title by unanimous decision. It was solid fight. It was probably the most competitive fight on the card. It was a decent enough of a scrap. Ubali uh, tried to swing for the fences early while Warren was kind of pacing himself throughout the fight. About halfway through the fight, Warren kind of started to take the foot off the gas pedal, and I don't know why, it just didn't make any sense. He wasn't aggressive. He, you know, he was letting Ubali to to really get, uh, build in a solid lead in the scorecards. There was a good combination, I believe right around the seventh round, where it was a solid left-right combination with the hooks, and Warren was kind of staggered a little bit, and Ubali would just simply kept landing combinations throughout the second half of the fight, and Warren's corner was so perplexed as to why he was so cautious, why he wasn't letting his hands go. He started doing so in the championship round, but at that point, it was a little too late for Rashid Warren. Uh, there was no doubt in my mind Ubali won this fight because Ubali was more aggressive, especially in the second half of the fight. And the first half, you could reasonably give uh, score a 3-3, maybe 4-2 in favor of Ubali. But those middle rounds is what really won the fight for Ubali. He's now the WBC champion. His next fight is, or at least his 
mandatory fight is going to be against Takuma Inoue, who won the interim title uh, on New Year's, uh, and not, not New Year's Eve, December 30th, as the New Year's Eve weekend boxing card that Japan, Japan does every year. Uh, he, that was a good, solid fight. Takuma Inoue versus a pet sore uh, fresh mart. And Ubali versus fr- uh, Inoue. That's a really solid fight at Bantamweight. It's not the big, sexy fight, in, uh, you know, like with uh, Nonita Donaire or a... I'm blanking on now. Oh, yeah, in your way. Or a Emmanuel Rodriguez or a Zolani Tete. But it's still a really nice and fun fight that Ubali in any way could have. I don't know when that fight could, where that fight could take place. I can see a reasonably take going. Uh, I can see Ubali uh, taking the plunge and going to Japan. And that's a really solid. And, and Ubali for the anyway would be a really good made event for a boxing card in Japan. Uh, I believe Fuji Boxing over there, uh, Fuji TV in Japan would get the rights to to that fight, and it, it is possible that we we could see it ha- We could see it maybe in the spring. Uh, Ubali did not look like he was hurt seriously in this fight, so I think we could see a quick turnaround, and this fight could reasonably happen later off this year. Uh, Aaron Nicholson. Uh, saying to, uh, talking about the Badu Jack versus Marcus Brown fight with all the blood coming around. Tony Weeks is still taking a shower, cleaning all the blood off of him. Oh my God, it, it, it really was. I mean, if there was another victim from Badu Jack's cut, it was Tony Weeks' shirt, which looked more red than blue thanks to all the blood that Badu Jack was spilling across the ring. It, it got to the point where it was really dangerous, and I thought that fight should have been stopped maybe around 9th, 10th round. I, there's no way Badu Jack was going to win this fight. They should, they should have just called it a technical decision, but credit to Badu Jack for somehow hanging it in there. Lastly, uh, pay-per-view opener. It was Hugo Ruiz versus Alberto Guevara in a featherweight bout. This was supposed to be Hugo Ruiz versus Jack Tapora for the interim WBA featherweight title, but just like Luis Neri last year before a title defense, he, um, Jack Tapora comes in way overweight, uh, five and a half pounds over the featherweight limit. So he wasn't just overweight as a featherweight. He was overweight as a super featherweight or junior lightweight, however you want to call it. Uh, I believe he got stripped of the title, though kind of no official word from the WBA regarding that, although the WBA doesn't really do announcements such as that. Jack DePora had two hours to shake off the weight, but Hugo Ruiz did not, did not want to to fight Jack DePora after coming in like that. So we got Alberto Guevara, who's coming in as a late, late replacement. Uh, they kind of anticipated this because Jack DePora, in the last few days, there what had been news of him having a terrible time cutting weight. He was still way about six pounds over over the limit uh, when he was set to defend, uh, when it was the day before the weigh-ins, and he wasn't even eating. He said he didn't eat for three days, and it was really, really bad. I I really did not want... That fight shouldn't have happened. Uh, Hugo Ruiz dominated Alberto Guevara, knocked him down in the first round, and after that, Hugo Ruiz just simply treated it as a light sparring session. It was not much to watch. Hugo Ruiz really just, just... didn't do much. He was just outboxing him, but the pace has slowed down significantly. It was a bad fight. Uh, you know, I, this was not, it doesn't even get a passing grade for me. Uh, I get it a D 
Ugar Ruiz wins uh, by a wide unanimous decision, 100, 100 to 89, 99 to 90, 99 to 90. I had a 102.89, but this was uh, this was not a good fight. Really bad way to kick off the pay per view. I I, don't, I really think that this fight should not even have happened on the pay per view card and should have just headed into a triple header because the pay per view ended so late. All four fights went the distance, and over here in Puerto Rico, where it is actually one hour uh, ahead, uh, one hour later compared to Eastern uh, to Eastern time. The show ended closer to close to 3 a.m. That's how bad it was. And for as much as the boxing is kind of trying to take it upon themselves to prevent t- these types of things of happening, pre- prevent shows from going to 2, 3 a.m., the fact that this was a quadruple header and all four of them went the distance, uh, this is pretty bad for people that wanted to watch the Manny Pacquiao fight. I had friends who wa- who wanted to watch. They were at bars and everything, but it got way too late for them and decided to go home. So who's to say that people uh, tuned out of the pay-per-view because it went so late? But hey, I-, I overall thought it was a decent show. I give this pay-per-view a C+. Uh, Marcus Brown, Manny Pacquiao's performances, I think those are good things to take away. Uh, Ubali versus Warren was a nice competitive scrap for the most part, but it wasn't really anything uh, you should go out of your way to watch. And, you know, overall, that was an okay show, but nothing, not, not worth the $75 price tag. So, we're not the only boxing card. Really quickly, kind of moving on to a quick recap of the other boxing cards that took place uh, at uh, from this weekend. We had two boxing cards in New York on Friday. The Zone, which did a world title triple header uh, at the Hula Theater in Madison Square Garden. We had uh, Demetrius Andrade defending his title against Arthur Akavov, WBO middleweight title bout. Andrade won very comfortably, 12-round decision, and a very, very boring fight. Andrade just kept dominating the fight. He kept, you know, outboxing Akavov, who really was kind of put up a, a solid fight, a solid, you know, face to try to give, give Andrade something to work with. But the problem with Andrade is he really, unless he's, forced to have to really work to get the fight going and really start throwing power punches and go for a knockout, you're just going to get the same Andrade, uh, Andrade uh, performance, and that is he's going to outbox you. He's not going to look for a knockout. He's going to cruise to a 12-round decision. He's the lone middleweight title holder among the, among the, three, um, among the three middleweight champions that are assigned to the zone, and that is that uh, they, they and Daniel Jacobs and Canelo, Canelo Alvarez are fighting each other uh, in May. So Demetrius Andrade really needs a big name opponent. Otherwise, you can't really put Andra- Andre back in the main event of these matchroom boxing cards because they did not look good at all. He does not. He does, he's not a guy that you pay to see give an outstanding fight. He's a fantastic boxer, but really just. It's not exciting. It's not TV friendly, and unless you put him against a uh, against a Charlo or Daniel Jacobs or Gennady Golovkin, you can't reasonably expect on Andre to give you a good fight. So, really, you know, it was a good performance. 
but Andre Andre's retained his title with a very very un unthrilling performance. Also on the car we had Amanda Serrano defeat Eva Vorberger for the WBO Superflyweight title. Amanda Serrano knocks out Vorberger in the first 35 seconds. Now becomes the second boxer in history to win a major world title across seven different weight classes. Fantastic performance by Amanda Serrano. Uh, this really now puts, really starts the momentum drive for Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor at the end of the year. That would be a big super fight in women's boxing. I really hope that does happen. And lastly, TK Dohany defeats Ryohei Takahashi with a late stoppage in the 11th round uh, to retain his IBF super bantamweight title. Really good performance by TK Dohany, although unspectacular as Takahashi um, had a, really did his best. Uh, considering he was a major underdog, he really tried his best to make this a competitive fight. He was taking all of Dohany's shots, but from the start, Takahashi was was suffering a cut from, I, I, from like the bridge of his nose. He was bleeding a lot. He wasn't landing anything strong on on TJ Dohany. And quite frankly, I thought you know Dohany looked good. And I think a potential unification bout against WBA Super Bantamweight champion Daniel Roman for the spring would look good. I think it could look good. I don't know if his dad's fight is going to be next, but that's certainly going to be in the works for 2019. And also as a quick quick shout-out to Pablo Cesar Cano, who already put his name up for upset of the year when he destroyed Jorge Linares in the first round, knocking him down three times and just completely surprising, spoiling Linares' title opportunity against Maurice Hooker for later this year. Linares is definitely not going to get a title shot now. And Pablo Cesar Cano has now really emerged as as a potential opponent for Maurice Hooker way down the line if... Pablo Cesar Cano can string together a couple of more wins for, for the remainder of the year. And man, I, I just feel bad for Jorge Linares. He he did he did his best. He tried to do everything in his power to hopefully get uh, to really give a perform a good performance at MSG, but it was not to be. Uh, Pablo Cesar Cano, congratulations. You may have pulled off the upset of the year by beating Jorge Linares in the way that you beat him. It wasn't so much that. Linares lost, but it was in the manner that Jorge Linares lost is what was most surprising. Lastly, uh, ESPN Plus card from the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York. ESPN Plus uh, main event. Uh, Brian Jennings loses with a 12-round stoppage uh, against Oscar Rivas. Rivas, kind of a bit of a surprise. I thought Jennings was going to come out and win this fight somewhat comfortably. Jennings ha- was making a lot of noise in the heavyweight division uh, for over here in the States. You know, he was on a good win streak after the loss of Vladimir Klitschko and Luis Ortiz and could have been a potential a potential opponent for any of the middleweight uh, heavyweight champions. Way down the line, maybe 2020 or 2021, but uh, Rivas showed a tremendous, showed showed the ESPN Plus crowd 
that he is he should not be overlooked in the heavyweight division. He it was a very close and competitive fight. I wouldn't really call it an exciting fight between the two. It was kind of a bit sluggish at times, but overall, I think Rivas did every, did just enough to get him solid fights down the road. If he can win against a top five, top ten heavyweight. Maybe he could potentially get a title shot down the line, but at this moment, it's still too soon for Oscar Rivas. And yeah, but 12th round, actually, Rivas lands a, I think it was a right jab that split the guard for Jennings. And Jennings was stunned. He was pushed back the ropes, and uh, Oscar Rivas would just unload on Jennings, lands. I think about 10 uninterrupted shots. Jennings clinched a little bit, and you know, and Rivas would eventually not uh, stop Brian Jennings uh, late in the round. And overall, this was an exciting finish, but I really would not say this was a really, really good fight. Uh, on the scorecards, it was actually pretty, pretty even for the most part. It was actually, Rivas was actually down, I believe, on two of the three scorecards, but not by much. It was to the point where had the fight not gotten stopped, we could have potentially seen maybe a majority decision or a split draw. It was still anybody's game by that point, but I really didn't think Jenny was going to win the moment Rivas landed that right hand and just completely uh, got drummed uh, for the remainder of the round. So good performance by Oscar Rivas. Uh, Hope that Brian Jennings is able to recover. He can see he's a solid heavyweight. He's not a he's I would not he's not a lead by any stretch of the imagination now, but uh, uh Brian Jennings is still a guy who you could put who put him in against almost any other heavyweight in the world and he'll give you a good scrap. Just that this fight was not really all that cracked up to be. And lastly uh Shakur Stevenson uh wins the IBF Intercontinental and WBC Continental America's featherweight title against Jesse Cris Rosales. Forefront TKO looked really good. Really, really good. Uh, uh, Stevenson lands a couple of left hooks to the chin uh, with Rosales almost giving his back to Stevenson. Uh, Rosales was dropped down and the fight was immediately stopped. So I don't think... So, yeah, so Stevenson... Looked really, really good. I don't think he's going to get a title shot in 2019, but uh, there's been some chatter on social media, uh, and some people are starting to kind of warm up to the idea of Josh Warrington against Shakur Stevenson for the IBF title. I don't know if that fight's going to happen. I think I think if Stevenson can maybe get another win or two against a top flight featherweight or at least a top 10 or top 15 featherweight then maybe uh then maybe stevenson proves he's ready but it's hard to say stevenson doesn't look ready already 10 fights in he's already showcased exceptional talent uh if you look at him you know in the ring his upper body just look he look massive 426 pounders so stevenson he's still young but man he he has a really bright future over there in boxing so I think that about wraps it up for, I guess you could call it a weekend recap. But overall, this was the main Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner. 
review. We covered all the fights on the show, covered The Zone, covered ESPN+. Plus. Uh, thank you so much for everyone that tuned in. Uh, thank you for those that are watching Fightful for the very first time. Fightful.com prides themselves in being a premier destination, not just for boxing, but also for pro wrestling, for MMA, you know, kind of being that number one crossover site for combat sports. And you can check out our Fightful Pro Wrestling channel. We got WWE Royal Rumble coming in next week, and that promises to be a really good show. And we will have a post-show podcast our managing editor, Sean Rossap, does a tremendous job with the wrestling recap shows. Also does a tremendous job on the MMA side, being on the Fightful MMA podcast that we have every Tuesday here on the Fightful MMA and Boxing channel alongside our interview extraordinaire, James Lynch and Showdown Joe Ferraro, who is the play-by-play guy for Ryzen over here, or at least the English play-by-play guy. He did... Floyd Mayweather versus Tenshin Nazakawa. Yeah, that play-by-play guy, he's on Fightful's side. So lots of good names to watch out here on Fightful.com. Not just from the people we interview, but from the people that does the content over here. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news on MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. We'll be giving you more content than ever before on all three sides. And thank you so much again for t- tuning in. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our new Fightful MMA Unboxing YouTube channel. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. That's a milestone that we really, really want to reach. And we're so close to doing so. We do appreciate all the support, all the coverage uh, that we are allowed to give, all the fighters that we have been able to interview, all the events that we have been able to talk about. It's been a fantastic run that Fightful is still young website has been able to do. We've done interviews with practically everyone, anyone and everyone across the globe in terms of those three sports, pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. So Carlos Toro over here at FightfulBoxing.com. We will, I will see you later and hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and hope you guys enjoyed the boxing for the rest of 2019 and beyond. Carlos Toro here at Fightful.com, tuning out. <laughs>